0: Hello oh, and welcome to the EDH Retcast. My name is Joey Schultz and I'm joined as always by my fantastic co-hosts. First up, he opened a shiny version of the card, so shiny that he's going to use it to uh, to pitch to it to cast his foil. Foil? It's Matt Morgan.
1: I am here to announce, Joseph, that flat earthers have nothing to fear but sphere itself. Ooh,
0: Quite the deep cut there. You know, Matt, I hope that they
1: uh come around. I was <laughs> just about to say that. So I'm I'm proud of you for uh for picking up on that. Um well, yeah.
0: We're just Thank having you.
2: a ball here tonight.
0: Thank you. I'm learning. Next, he just came off of suspend for 4. It's Dana Roach. Um, I just checked my spreadsheets, and as of Modern Horizons 2, I'll be adding more new cards
2: this year in 2021 than I did in the entirety of 2020. So, I'm just going to be done now. I'm, I'm taking this for the year off. No more changes to my decks. Yeah,
0: good luck with I, that. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um Something tells me that you're uh, that might not work out for you, but I wish you all of the best. And I hope that you're able to resist the pull of all of the amazing bangers set after set that seem to always be coming out every set review season. Best of luck to you, Dana. Thank you. I'm going to need it. (laughs) We all are, let's be real. Anyway, this is the EDH RecCast. EDH Rec is the best deck building resource on the web for the commander format, compiling data from deck lists all over the internet to provide helpful recommendations for new commander decks. And here on the podcast, what we'd like to do is give all that data a little more context. Dana, what is it that we're talking about in this week's episode? We're going to talk about
2: underplayed commanders, commanders that have less than 200 decks on EDH Rec.
0: Yeah, I honestly, one of the most shocking things about this show, which is like really exciting, get to talk about those commanders that don't have as much love. The weirdest part of this show is honestly that you were not the person who pitched it because we know (laughs) how much you love those. Would you call them hipster style commanders? Sure, I think I think that would be a way to phrase it. Yeah. Yeah, it was, but like, it should be a whole bunch of fun. There are a bunch of commanders out there that aren't seeing a whole bunch of play, but still have crazy cool nuances to their strategy. So we're going to dig into them in this episode. Real quick, though, before we get to our main topic, let's pause and give a huge thank you to the folks at the Command Zone who handle the post-production work on our podcast, making it look as awesome as it does. And we want to thank our sponsors for the show, too.
2: The ED Trackcast is sponsored by Card Kingdom and TCG Player. If you want to get any of the uh, new good green cards, Modern Horizons, that could have been white, Just go to Card Kingdom or any of the new good uh, black cards that could have been white. Go to TCG Player. Just go to EDH Rec and click on the card in question. Go to the link down below and doing so supports both the site and the show.
1: And if you'd prefer to support the show directly, you can do so at patreon.com slash edhretcast. Uh, we have patron tiers of all sorts of levels. We even have patron exclusive content coming out every single month. So make sure you head over to patreon.com slash edhretcast um, for all of your patron needs. And and actually this week we do have a very special patron shout out. So we want to give a very special thank you to Roxanne Rasco. Thank you so much. Um, we appreciate it so much that we convinced the police to write a song about you <laughs> um, years and years ago. Wow.
0: Oh goodness. And of course you can stop by our stream twitch.tv slash EDH reccast to watch us play some awesome games of commander with awesome community members. We just had Manson Lung from command zone on and we will be having return guest Olivia Gobert Hicks on for the stream as well. It's a whole bunch of fun. So definitely hang out twitch.tv slash EDH reccast. And now fellas, let's get to our main topic. We're talking about underplayed commanders and we drew the line at like sub 200 decks according to EDH rec. So these are just commanders that are really, really overlooked because You know, all those other commanders that have thousands upon thousands of decks to their name. But sometimes you just get in a what I'll call a Dana mood where you just you want someone to when you sit down at a table, you want someone to lean over and go, I'm sorry, what are you playing? What's that commander's name again? And and there's a lot of these old, particularly old ones
2: that that aren't any good. We're kind of focusing here on the ones that are, are underplayed, less than 200 decks. But also, you can build a pretty good deck around them. We're not, we're not talking about like underplayed bad commanders. We're talking about ones that are underplayed and interesting.
1: Or at
0: least that have some potential to them, I guess you could say. Like, There's going to be a whole lot of really big popular ones in any of these color combinations, but there are some that just haven't gotten as much love. And there's probably really obvious reasons why that's the case, but that means that we might overlook some cool synergies. So, fellas, let's get right to it. Um, And the first one we actually have up in the show notes here is one that I built because y'all challenged me to do it. I think, again, that was a very Dana thing to happen uh, to force me to build a very (laughs) old commander. So let's talk about... About Martin Stromgald. Martin Stromgald is a four mana one one mono red commander from Matt help me out is that Ice Age? I believe it is Ice Age yes, yes indeed. Cool I I'm, I'm doing it I think I don't know the set symbols confuse me and this thing's really really old so old that its text is extremely extremely small but this commander is like actually really awesome this ability is legit whenever he attacks All of your other attacking creatures get plus one, plus one for each of those other attacking creatures. And the same goes for when you're blocking. So he doesn't pump himself up. But if you attack with 10 tokens, each of those tokens gets plus 10, plus 10. This is actually a really powerhouse commander who only has 43 decks to his name. Like, I love this ability.
2: Yeah, this is a commander like way back in alpha, there was a card in red called Keldon Warlord that got plus one, plus one for each other attacking creature. It just buffed itself. And Martin was basically the inverse Keldon Warlord where it didn't buff itself. It just buffed everyone else for each attacking creature. Um, so yeah, I mean, that, that can turn an army, a, a go-wide army of, of basic tokens into something very scary very quickly.
1: And Shared Animosity is a very, very powerful card. So making it just applies to all creatures, regardless of their creature type, that just shows you how just devastating Martin Stromgald could be. Um, if you've watched us on twitch.tv slash EDH you've seen Joey go from uh, absolutely nothing going on, nothing to see here, to, um, oh my gosh, everybody's taking 80 damage. Uh, it gets out of hand really quickly, and it's, it's, a, it's not for a lack of just power, it's definitely just because this card is older than Joey, so. Um, <laughs> That's why most people just haven't heard of it, because it's just a very old card.
0: Yeah, it's it's really easy to overlook, and frankly, it would be a really good finisher to put into a deck as well. I think it is, as a result of being an older card, a little bit more expensive nowadays, but even if you're just attacking with five other tokens, each of those tokens is getting plus five, plus five. Like, that's a hefty attack step, and it just increases kind of exponentially from there. So any ability to create a bunch of tokens all at once, something like a Tilinali Summoner, or just even a simple Hordling Outburst, can really flood the field, especially if you're able to give your stuff haste and your opponents just may not see a huge attack step coming so i'm hoping with this commander what i've done is satisfy dana's need for you know us to all play a bunch of really old hipster commanders and matt's need to enjoy the combat step a whole lot because it's really fun when you manage to attack for like 250 damage
2: yeah I the big thing holding martin back um is probably the one one it, it really feels bad casting a four mana one one <laughs> yeah. um, it, it, there is a good bit of competition in the mono red token space this deck tends to run a good amount of things that generate goblin tokens which are usually the you know most frequently seen token in, in red um, and if you're playing a bunch of goblin tokens People that just tend to want to run a Krenko or something that that does goblin stuff as well. So it it does have a good bit of competition, but if you don't want to go the Krenko route, this is really, really strong.
0: Yeah, and also another thing that's important is that you have to watch out for whenever Mr. Matt Morgan plays fogs like Arachnogenesis over there during my one big attack step.
1: Yeah, it, it is. I mean, that applies to a lot of different decks. I wouldn't say that's unique to Martin, but... Um, If you play Martin out with some sort of haste enabler, um, you can go from 0 to 60 quite fast. Um, So it's, it's a very, very powerful commander. I think just the price and the obscurity is really what's holding Martin back.
0: Indeed. So that was enough about one of my decks. But Dana, there's a commander on our list here that I know that you are kind of excited to talk about.
2: Yeah, we're going to talk about a Huatuo Honored Physician. Um, a one green green for a one two. And this is from way back in the Portal Three Kingdom set. And it has an ability Um, you can tap Huatuo and put target creature card from your graveyard on top of your library. And you must activate this ability only during your turn before attackers are declared. So before your attack step. Um, this card did get a reprint five-ish years ago in a commander set, so there are copies out there besides just the original portal versions. Um, it's a very weird ability for green, you don't see that kind of thing very often. What you do see in green, kind of frequently, are cards that care about what's on top of your library. And Huatuo is uh, it has, has good ways to interact with them. Things like Call of the Wild, not a particularly great card, where you can spend two green-green and re- reveal the top card of your library. And if it's a creature card, put it into play. So you have some interaction there where you can put your thing on top and then just flop it straight into play with Call of the Wild. So there's, there's quite a few different ways in green to interact
0: with this ability. That sounds really, really tricky. And I mean... I'm kind of sold because it is a form of graveyard recursion, and we all know that I love that. But even just being able to, like, if you mill yourself a little bit and then you set up the top of your deck with this ability using, like, a lurking predators to get a bunch of payoffs in a row, like, that sounds also really, really spicy. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that friend of the show Nick at Plaidclad on Twitter is also quite the, uh, the purveyor of watch woes in the world.
2: Yes, he is. That's that's the deck. Um, I, I wound up at one point on Commander Central doing a deck tech on his watchbo deck, and we had him on as a guest. Um, very cool. Just a lot of weird hidden synergies with cards that you don't see used that often in green. So not only is this a bit of a hipster commander, it lets you be hipster all the way down the list in the other cards you'll probably run to interact with this.
0: Right, that's a, a pretty big difference because Martin Stromgold, I was, cert- I'm certainly using a lot of very popular red token creating cards, whereas the cards that you'll find in a Wotu deck are going to be a little bit farther, you know, in the sidelines comparatively.
1: Well. Gents, since, since we are talking about uh, Friends of the Podcast, um, one of another friends that we've met um, at GP Kent City a couple of years back, um, Andrew Cummings, who we've talked about several times, we've talked about this deck actually. Um, Kirkesh Onaki Ancient is a pretty obscure one, too. Um, only 139 decks to Kirkesh came out, I believe it was M13. Um, so way, way back eh, at this point, it's kind of way back, but it's two red, red for a legendary ogre spirit. Um, that is a four, three and Kirk reads whenever you activate an ability of an artifact, if it isn't a man ability, you may pay red. And if you do, you copy that ability and then you choose new targets for that ability. Um, so. The way that Andrew took this deck was putting charge counters on everything, proliferating and then, you know, copying those abilities or just, you know, copying massive abilities that you want to copy, like Aetherflux Reservoir activations or um, Lux Cannons, all sorts of just crazy, crazy artifact abilities you want to be copying. Kirkesh can do that. And uh, Andrew did it to us over and over again oh double
0: aetherflux reservoir sounds especially nasty and you know what with the amount of like crazy stuff that red artifact decks can actually pull off including like getting them back to your hand or casting a bunch in a row because of any cost reducers that you've got that could also just end up being like a life gain situation happening but in a mono red deck like what a twist
2: well and with cards like liquid metal coating or the new liquid metal torque from um modern horizons 2 you have the ability to turn things that aren't traditionally a artifact into an artifact just to use kirk as well
0: that sounds so cool oh my goodness i'm wait okay is it possible to have a mono red planeswalker deck now because you're using those to turn planeswalkers into artifacts and then copying their abilities is that another potential direction for this those liquid metal torque cards are really crazy <laughs>
1: That that does sound quite feasible, but it, when you think about just all the just crazy artifact interactions out there, um, all these activated abilities that you want to be copying, like, there's a pretty good field out there anyways. Even if you're not doing a specific theme like Andrew was, uh, there's some very, very powerful synergies for a single red mana to get two Aetherflux Reservoir activations. Uh, that's, that's potent. You want to make sure that you're keeping Ellie of the Veil, another uh, good friend of the podcast, um, but she doesn't mix very well with Etherflux Reservoirs um, whenever she does come on the stream as well so um, make sure to keep her away from Kirkesh decks but other than that um, it's yeah it's just a very very fun deck to play and it's kind of impressive to watch go off
0: yeah that does sound really spicy and trying to think of other really cool artifacts to pair up with that ability to get multiple mimic vat activations for example multiple creature tokens off of that or the new lithoform engine well relatively new lithoform engine like those are also some amazing abilities to be able to duplicate so this is the type of deck that I think is easy to overlook because of all of the especially is it artifact stuff that's going on but there are some amazing synergies to double up here and the deck is only going to get better as time goes on because all of the new artifacts are so manipulable
2: up next we have Sun Quan Lord of Wu from again way back in the portal three kingdom set Um, like Tuo, this actually had a reprint in one of the from the vault sets a few years back so it's not cheap but it's also not insanely expensive um, Sun Quan Lord of Wu is four blue blue, six total for a four-four, and it simply says creatures you control have horsemanship, which functionally in commander means creatures you control are unblockable.
0: Sorry to interrupt you, Dana. Just when was the last time that you ever saw a creature with horsemanship in a game?
2: <laughs> just like Yeah, I mean it's it's just not something that pops up in Commander really at all. I, I can't the, the last time i think i saw it was when they printed one in a pre-con deck like five years ago
1: yeah it's effectively unblockable just your creatures are unblockable it may as well say that. It's, it's kind of like giving all your creatures shadow they just they're, they're unblockable no, nobody else interacts with those
0: yeah and and this is also the type of card that really starts to muck with the the uh vorthos player in me because i look at other commanders out there like Siddharth kondo for example who's on a horse, but doesn't have <laughs> horsemanship. So why is it not blocked And then my brain just immediately breaks. But this is a really powerful effect.
2: Well, Isidore of, kind of I think, is probably bad at riding horses. So that's probably why he doesn't have the ability.
0: <laughs> wow.
2: Um, so That's what I, I assume in my head to make it all make sense.
1: Yeah. I mean, Martin Stromgald is also on a horse, also does not <laughs> have horsemanship. And, and, and clearly also bad at riding
2: one because of his lack of horsemanship.
1: Clearly, Joey's just picking <clears throat> bad commanders. <laughs>
2: Yep, absolutely terrible. (laughs) Now, this is a commander that's kind of recently popped back into the uh, greater EDH consciousness because it popped up on the Post Malone episode of Game Nights
0: just a few weeks back. That it did, and to amazing effect. Just functionally giving your stuff unblockable is a really good ability. And for it to be on a creature, especially if it's just there in your command zone, there's a lot of really nasty stuff that you could pull off if you wanted to have a guaranteed unblockable deck going on here. Any of the Sword of Cycle, sort of X and Y, the new Hearth and Home, for example, like there's a lot of stuff that you can pull off just always being able to guarantee get a combat trigger off of those. The same would go for stuff like Reconnaissance Mission effects. So all of your tiny creatures that are always going to be unblocked can draw you a bunch of cards as a result. Like this is a guaranteed, effectively, combat trigger sort of style deck, I guess. And I don't know, it sounds more and more dangerous the more and more that I think about it.
2: Well, And that's the kind of thing they they seem to continuously add to the game, too. You know, we're up to three different variants on that kind of reconnaissance mission, coastal piracy type card. Um they're just adding those kind of things and new versions pretty regularly. So you, you probably are going to get new toys for swinging through with unblockable creatures very regularly
0: as well. And here's another one that's coming to my mind. Uh, when we had a friend of the show, Aaron Radney on our stream as well, he played a, uh, a, a mono blue deck where the card. Matt, do you remember what happened with Mist Syndicate Naga, which copies itself whenever it hits people?
1: I, I don't remember what it did specifically. I remember what the copies of the copies of the copies did against us. Because that card copies itself whenever it deals combat damage. And if you're copying those copies that are all dealing combat damage, they're going to make more copies of copies of copies. And, and sooner or later, you have Inception with copies instead of Dreams. Um, and it's really hard to keep track of. But Sun Quan seems to be really good at uh, making those triggers happen.
0: Yeah, this is a really, really spicy effect. I hope that the price of this card manages to stay... Um, I don't don't know, more reprints, please, I suppose. But like the price of this card might be a little bit insane, but this is just a really cool effect. That again, this commander only has 85 decks to its name, but that's a very potent ability to be paying attention to for sure. All right, let's move on to the next one here. And this will again be us shouting out friend of the show, Lenny Wooly here, because we're talking about Linvala, Shield of Seagate, a commander that only has 86 decks to its name, but manages to pack a surprisingly big punch. This is a three mana angel wizard from Zendikar Rising. It's a flying creature that says a bunch of stuff about party that, frankly, doesn't even matter all that much. You get to pacify something if you have a full party with a bunch of creature types, but that is not the important part of this card. The important part of this card is that you can sacrifice Linvala to give all of your creatures either hexproof or indestructible for the turn. This was the kind of thing that first looking at it, it was like, uh, you know, I guess, whatever, that sounds cool. And then we managed to see Lenny Wooly put a Gift of Immortality onto this card, And that was an engine that was extremely, extremely dangerous in all of the ways.
1: Yeah, giving some synergy to Linvala, making sure that you just effectively get to every single turn. Um, Flicker, essentially, Linvala by sacrificing her to protect your team. That's a really good little one-two punch of just whenever she goes away, just bring her back. No No big deal right? How do you kill that army if, if she literally can't
0: die and prevents all of the other stuff from being hit too? In, in three mana, you know, even if you
2: manage to prevent shenanigans recurring her, well, then she only costs five the next time and in seven sometimes. It, that That's a pretty efficient casting cost for a 3-3 with evasion as well that does something so effective.
0: It's basically a selfless spirit, but in your command zone. And That is a very potent ability. Like, Selfless Spirit is an exceptionally popular card for a bunch of creature decks. It shows up in nearly 10,000 decks. So having an ability that also can grant you hexproof in the command zone so that you can repeatedly get that back, it turns out that's really, really, really good insurance when you're starting to amass a huge board full of just beatstick angels and stuff.
2: Yeah, I mean, you don't even need to like come up with a really complicated game plan here. Like you said, Joey, just run a bunch of really good blue and white creatures that you are now able to protect very easily. And that's probably enough to win
0: plenty of games. And then, kind of, also a final note that I want to put in about this commander, too, is that if you do look through the admittedly very limited amount of data that is on its EDH rec page a lot of the cards that you'll see there i think will be a little bit misleading because it's very 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 built around the party ability that Linvala has so there's a bunch of cards that care about amassing multiple different types of creature with like you know getting your rogue and your warrior and your cleric and stuff like that and i think that that is kind of a distraction because if you just play regularly good creatures that Linvala can protect and that your opponents want to kill but Linvala will not let them that is probably going to be better than trying to amass some big party situation when you can really just kind of go into the red zone instead and make it very difficult for your opponents that way rather than trying to be clever about it It, it's one of those commanders whose whose pages i feel like is a little bit misleading
2: yeah i I think so too um the the text on it's misleading like i i I recall the first time i read this card thinking well it doesn't seem that good with with party i'm gonna put together a bunch of kind of mediocre party creatures and then do what with them. It wasn't until I saw it in practice, actually, I saw Lenny's deck where he's just running a bunch of really good stuff and using it as a selfless spirit that I realized, like, oh, that's that that text
0: is not necessary and it's, in fact, distracting. Right. This is this is actually the type of card that I've been completely destroyed by it. And my mom's own uh, blue-white flying deck as well. She's managed to use this for protection. So, like, I have personal experience with this as well. And it's a really good card that can also be very subtly powerful in the command zone, too.
2: But, like, honestly, if that, like... <laughs> (laughs) that second block of text but the party was not there I would have liked the card a lot more because I would have immediately known what to do with it the party stuff actually was like confusing
0: you you sound like Matt when he's talking about Strixhaven cards where there's
1: too much text on the card yes yes.
0: this is a math is for blockers moment like the party
2: is for blockers I just didn't need to see all that stuff
1: Yeah, it's not very often that there's a commander that comes along where you just actively want to ignore half the card. Yeah, right. (laughs)
0: Exactly. Okay, so those were five underplayed commanders so far, and we've got more to talk about. But real quick, let's pause and challenge some stats because it is one of our favorite segments here on the show because there's just so much data on EDHREC, but we don't always agree with it. Sometimes we think that cards in the 99 are also underplayed or even sometimes overplayed. So we like to be a little bit critical about those statistics and challenge some stats matt
1: how about you start us off this week what is your challenge so if you read all the articles over edhrec.com you'll notice that i did a a special little guest spot um hanging out with jevin lordy who writes the challenge of stats column um and where it's just basically he challenges a lot of stats every single article it's a great series and i've use quite a few of his challenges actually from those articles um, here on the show. So since I got to come on the show and talk about him, he actually brought up a really good card that, don't tell him, um, I didn't even know existed because I just missed it amidst all of preview season. And that card is Pest Infestation. Um, So Pest Infestation is XX green for a sorcery that says, destroy up to X target artifacts and or enchantments. Then you create twice... X of one, one black and green pest creature tokens. Um, with when this creature dies, you gain one life. Now the card is all right, but then um, when you realize that you know there are token decks out there, it's one of the most popular themes on EDHREC. You can find quite a few different ways to abuse this. Um, when you look at it on face value, it's even if you just do X for one, so you're paying two and a green essentially you're still getting a Sorcery Speed Reclamation Sage, which is one of the most played creatures in all of Commander. Um, If you add in the token synergies there where you get two bodies, plus all the other upside with tokens, uh, this gets pretty out of hand pretty quick. And it's up to X target, you know, artifacts or enchantments. And then it can scale if you need to take out multiple different uh, cards on the battlefield. You can do that with Pest Infestation. Now, there's obviously you can't blink it. There's other shenanigans with Reclamation Sage that you can do, but If you're playing a go wide type of deck, you just want a bunch of bodies, or you're playing parallel lives, or doubling season, anything like that, or even you know Cathars Crusade. These get really big, really quick. Um, I had really undersold this card. Uh, For a long time, it's only about 2200 decks so far, Um, but only 21% of token decks, which actually is lower than Reclamation Sage in those same token themed decks. Um, I think that number should be much, much higher. Uh, We always advocate for playing for more removal type spells and removal spells that build into your synergy that you're already trying to take advantage of. Um, That's just win win. So I think 21% of token decks playing Pest Infestation is is way too low. Um, it's a great way to get rid of cards that are t- causing you problems on the battlefield. And it's a great way to make you more tokens. I love this card. I missed it during preview season, um, but I'm glad that Jevin asked me about it because uh, I, I definitely think if you're playing token deck, you want to play this card.
0: Matt, it's kind of fortuitous that you would mention a token card for your challenge because our listeners submitted Challenge also regards tokens, especially with how they relate to cards like Parallel Lives. Here's the thing though, Matt. This is an overplayed challenge, not an underplayed challenge. So Archimicarus from our Patreon Discord points out the card Parallel Lives doesn't work the way that people think it does with the new commander Ave Progenitor Ooze. Ave Progenitor Ooze is the new 5-mana Ooze with Storm from Modern Horizons 2. It isn't legendary if it's a token, so all of those Storm copies will be able to exist on the field, and Ave enters the battlefield with a plus-one counter on it for each other Ooze you control. So we will go off in one crazy big turn, make a bunch of ooze tokens when you cast this. But here's the thing. They'll all enter from the stack. They won't be created as tokens. A token entering from the stack is not considered to have been created. So an effect like Parallel Lives, which doubles up your token creation, doesn't actually interact with this commander at all. Parallel Lives is like a $60 card that's showing up in 42% of the AVE decks that exist so far. Granted, there aren't a ton of AVE Text that exists so far because it is a very new commander but this is an expensive card that doesn't actually interact with this commander and that just was something that we're really glad that uh, a member in the discord shattered out and that we wanted to bring to folks attention here that parallel lives can do stuff with other cards in your 99 but when stuff is entering directly from the stack as with ave or even with making copies off of a lithoform engine that doesn't count as creating a token and therefore it doesn't get duplicated by a parallel lives
2: that's a good call, and it's a good call in terms of saving people money, like you mentioned, Joey. That's a pretty expensive card, and you don't want to see somebody make that purchase and then find it doesn't do what they thought it did in their deck.
0: <laughs> right. So use Parallel Lives more with Matt's challenge and less with Ave is what I think we're hearing.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a good, good call.
2: Well, my challenge here is for a card in um, 2,800 decks. It's an artifact prototype portal. It's four mana and it has imprint. When Prototype Portal enters the battlefield, you may exile an artifact card from your hand and then you may spend X and tap it to create a token. That's a copy of the exiled card where X is a converted mana cost of that card. So Parallel Lives would work here because you're creating a token. <laughs> um, the reason they should be in more decks is we just in Modern Horizons 2 got 10 new artifact dual lands as well as an additional land in power depot as an artifact land um, What's great about prototype portal is if you imprint an artifact land on it You can just tap it for no mana and make a token artifact land and in the case of the new ones They're all indestructible as well. So Artifact commanders like Brea just got six new duels and a Power Depot. So now at this point, you probably have, if you want to run them all, you're looking at maybe 15 cards on your deck just for lands that would qualify to be put under the prototype portal, allowing you to make land ramp for for basically no mana at all, aside from casting the portal. Um, you know, Cidric Galvanic Genius, for example, just got four more, taking her to eight. Um, even in a two-color deck, where, um, like like my Veil of the Nightclad deck that cares about artifacts, I went from three to five lands now, so there's still a pretty decent chance i draw one, even in a two-color deck, to use. And that's before you get to things like Soul Ring or Mana Vault or even Mana Crypt for zero. Like, I would be perfectly okay in printing a Soul Ring on this and every turn spending one mana to make a new Soul Ring. Or making a new Soul Talisman or Mox Tantalite or Lotus Blossom. Um, if your deck has some density of artifact lands or one or zero drop mana rocks, Prototype Portal can really get out of control, and it should be in more than 2,800 decks, especially with this whole new slew of artifact lands we just got. Prototype Portal, the
0: original Ozgear the Reconstructor, question mark? <laughs> um, uh, more or less, yes. It's uh, were, were we on a secret brain wavelength or something like that where we all picked cards that had something to do with tokens matt have you done something to us is this you're doing <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm just glad you guys are finally listening to me with all the things that i've been preaching over 160 however many episodes we've been going um you're finally listening to me it's finally picking up and uh, i'm glad for it
0: all right good to know okay fellas let's get back to talking about some underplayed commanders and so Dana the next one we're going to talk about I know is pretty near and dear to you but it is a Selesnia card so I think that Matt is the one who needs to properly that seems it. fair
1: I mean I'm glad that this one gives Dana a, f- a few shutters at night um, <laughs> so the commander we're going to give a quick shout out to is a uh, Dragonlord Dremoka. Uh only 98 decks out there um, but this one is it's a big beefy di- uh, not dinosaur but Elder Dragon which I'm always glad to see um, so four green white for a, a legendary Elder Dragon who's a 5-7 that cannot be countered uh dragon lord jamoka also has flying lifelink and your opponents can't cast spells during your turn now um good old max from cmdr central um also a good friend of the show good friend of dana um, but he also has a man of fine taste plays selesnia dragons um (laughs) big beaters and, and man like this it's such a haymaker not just because it can't be countered but like Keeping your opponents from casting spells, that's such a powerful thing. And make sure that your attack steps go uninterrupted. Nobody's going to play those pesky fog effects that we talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, Grand Arbiter is a a fairly played card. Um, It's a fairly expensive card now just because it shuts down your opponent. So putting that type of effect in the command zone, like we've seen how powerful it is, you know, putting any given effect in the command zone. And so this one only having 98 decks is kind of surprising to me.
0: Yeah, that uh, that grand abolisher effect that you mentioned yes. there uh, to prevent your opponents from casting stuff. No counter spells, no fogs, no removal spells interrupting your combat. It is amazing how much of a nuisance that is.
2: Well, yeah, so talking about nuisance, despite playing against this deck for six years now at this point, basically, I still catch myself like... For then your turn, fact or fiction, and Max going, Well, yeah, you can't. Tremoka's employee. Like, oh come on, I save mana for that. <laughs> like, I, I still do that way too often. And that's just the silly dumb stuff. In terms of like actual strategy, you get those points where you're like, okay, I can take two Jermoca hits and I'm fine. And it, you know, you pass to him and he casts Black Blade Reforge and equips it, and you can't do anything. You're like, oh, well, okay, now I'm I'm dead. I'm just gonna get take 17 Tramoka damage this turn, and that's gonna kill me. Mm-hmm. Um Additionally, green has a handful of really powerful draw effects, things like Hunter's Prowess or Soul's Majesty that draw you cards based on a creature's either power or damage it deals. Um, the risk with those cards is if somebody casts a counterspell, obviously, but if they remove the creature as well, that the spell fizzles. That just becomes a non-issue in the stromoka deck. You have a bunch of huge, efficient Haymaker draw spells in green that have basically no risk attached to them then.
0: Yeah, that is a huge key piece to unlock there where like greens already basically primary in card draw and this is a commander that allows you to unlock even more of the lesser played green card draw spells that are also really really good. Not only that, but can we talk about how powerful it can be to have a life linking commander? I think of a card like Hall of the Bandit Lord which will uh you have to pay life to give the creature that you cast with its mana. It gives it haste. Well, that's that life is just not an issue anymore because your commander has lifelink and we'll just resupply you right there like there are a bunch of little tricks that are just right there on board and just like matt whenever i'm playing against his lesnia decks like all of his fun tricks are just right there on board and he's browbeating everyone with them
1: yeah it's it's not a counter spell it's a counter target player you just got to stop him from getting off the ground
2: (laughs) pretty much yeah well, well, up next here, we'll, we'll move from Selesnia to something that's a little more in Joey's domain. Mm. We have a Balthor the Defiled, a two black black for a zombie dwarf, two two. Um, has talking about uh, kind of unnecessary text on Linvalo, we have some <laughs> kind of unnecessary text here that reads, all minions get plus one plus one. Um, the important part here though is for a triple black, you can remove Balthor the Cloud from the game and each player returns all black and red creature cards from their graveyard to play. So it's a kind of living death effect here, always half of one, um, where everyone brings everything back into play and Balthor is exiled, but if it's your commander, Balthor just goes back to the command zone to be done the next time that's convenient for you.
0: it's always convenient, Dana. This is such a, this is a beautiful effect. I've managed to put this into a couple of decks now, just to revive my own stuff. I treat this like a spell. Like, have y'all seen what Nethroy can do when it mutates onto something? Because Nethroy brings back a bunch of creatures out of the graveyard. Like, it's just, it's a beautiful thing to witness. Balthor is doing that, but just for mono-black. So you can suit this type of deck up with a bunch of stuff like Stitcher Supplier. You can dredge a lot if you want to. You can play Buried Alive to just just tutor a bunch of creatures right to your graveyard and your commander is going to be there to revive all of them for you in one beautiful haymaker of a turn. I just, uh, I love a revival effect. This one is so crazy powerful and it only has 110 decks to its name. And frankly, if I didn't already have a mono black deck right now, I'd be tempted to build it. And let's be real. I am still tempted to build it, even though I already have a mono black deck right now
1: yeah I mean living death is a very very powerful card, and uh putting that in the command zone it's another one of those times where you know you put any given card into the command zone, how powerful is it um in the case of balthfour defiled, even though you're kind of paying seven mana for the effect um being able to repeat it that's and, and it's not like mono black decks with their you know their herborgs and their newly reprinted cabal coffers and the the big mana you know mono black decks. They never really have any problems recasting their stuff and making a bunch of mana. So seven mana is kind of a sneeze when you think about it. Um, But yeah, it's, very very powerful effects being able to recur all of your stuff and if you're playing somebody like they're playing a Selesnia deck or a mono blue deck they're not going to get anything out of this like it's it's specifically uh, the black and the red creatures so sometimes you you may be the only person getting anything and that's that is where you really get the upside
2: yeah i think the biggest problem with Balthor's numbers here is if someone wants to run an old semi obscure black commander that does graveyard stuff um, i think they tend to go with Chainer, Dementia Master. Um Chainer's a little more popular, maybe a little more pop combo-centric, maybe a little stronger. So I think that probably cuts into Balthor's numbers kind of the same way the Goblin Commanders cut into Martin a little bit. But it's still a really, really effective commander and should for sure see more play.
0: That's especially like... Uh, Okay, Matt, I know that you're about to call me really silly, but there are different flavors of reanimator. So there are the commanders like Chainer that would want to just revive one good creature at a time and repeat the ETB effect of just that creature, like just reviving a Coco show over and over and over again to drain life from all of your enemies. But then there's stuff like Balthor, where you can take advantage of getting a bunch of stuff back all at once. And that is reanimator, but it's a different style of reanimator. Trust me, trust me, like, but just believe, like, it's different, right? Like, You could justify having both of those decks. It's different.
1: You're allowed to have different flavors of Reanimator if I'm allowed to have different flavors of tokens, whether it's <laughs> go wide tokens, or it's go big tokens and making yeah. you know, a bunch of big 8-8s, or just a million 1-1s. Um, I get it. It, it. it takes all kinds. That's why Baskin-Robbins is so popular, because there are so many flavors.
0: I absolutely love the stuff that this type of commander can do, and you can surprise folks by reviving a bunch of really great ones. I just want to like load up a graveyard with a Doom Whisperer's surveilability and then just bring a bunch of things like Ayara and Mogis' Marauder right back out of the grave just from the command zone. This thing is spicy, but I think I probably need to move on or else Matt will give me some some side eye for talking about Reanimator for far too long. Uh, let's move on next. We're going to move to a blue commander. Matt, is that any better?
1: Um, minorly, Minor. not great, but it's it is a little bit of progress, yes. Um, so Sir Eleanora the Discerning is who we're going to talk about. Um, Eleonora is three blue blue for a uh X4 human knight or star fork, excuse me. Um, and Sir Eleanora, the discerning's power is equal to the number of cards in your hand, and when Sir Eleanor enters the battlefield, you draw a card, and also spells that your opponent's cast that target Sir Eleanora cost two more mana to cast. So it's kind of a ward before ward got key-warded. Ah, See there. Yes, I am very clever, aren't I? Um, but Sir Eleanora, it's kind of a cool mono-blue um voltron beater type of commander which we don't really see all that often so it is it is kind of interesting to see this design um only 51 decks out there though so it's obviously not very powerful um what do you guys uh, what are your takes on sir eleanora um do you have any discerning thoughts on this?
2: Well, the, the first thing I think worth noting here is she's also clearly not that great at riding her horse, despite being a knight, because of, again, the lack of horsemanship. Still no horsemanship.
0: horsemanship. Oh, goodness. Well, and Matt there, I think you said powerful when you meant to say popular, but I think that there's a pretty decent potential for this type of ability to end up being powerful indeed. Like, the Voltron ability is not a thing that we see in blue decks very often. Blue is kind of weird at closing games out sometimes where sometimes it feels the need to rely upon combo or heaven forbid a laboratory maniac win condition by drawing its entire deck but actually punching people with just really big creatures including for commander damage is a bit more rare in blue and this is just an uncommon commander who can actually get really 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 big if you've ever seen like a body of knowledge in play which also gets big equal to the number of cards in your hand or if you've ever equipped something with an imperial plate an equipment that also buffs up for the number of cards in your hand. I mean, it's kind of neat to turn your Blue Sun Zeniths and Commander's Insights into just a combat trick.
1: I mean, yeah, Psychosis Crawler is not hard to turn into a huge, huge or like a a 10-10 just kind of almost instantaneously. So putting, again, that type of scaling into the command zone, it's a powerful effect if you're able to build around it well.
2: And, you know, joking about horsemanship aside, um, the lack of evasion here feels like it's a bit of a problem, except in blue, there's a whole host of ways, both at instant speed temporarily and in terms of enchantments, to give a creature either flying or unblockable very cheaply as well, the sort of X and Y that give it protection from color that are often very effective as poking through as well. So there's just a lot of ways here to very easily work yourself around that unblock that that lack of evasion here and
0: help punch that damage through.
1: I mean, if you're in mono blue and you can't find a way to give your creature flying, you are not trying very hard at all. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, this is a Voltron commander damage that also has a bunch of counter spells. Like you can stubborn denial with this commander. Pretty darn easily, and that is also just going to be hell in a handbasket for your opponents to try and fight through. So again, it's you know just an uncommon, and there are plenty of other mono blue decks that probably capture attention more often. But there's a surprising utility to this one that just hasn't quite been keyed into. But it definitely has potential where we don't usually see blue explore in that vein as often. All right, Dana, let's go to our next commander, which I feel like you might like because it's a sphinx. Or yes, no? Yes, I,
2: I I do not have a commander deck running Metamai the Ageless, but I have a deck with Metamai in it that I have tested out as the commander a few times. Uh, Metamai, there's 116 decks running this Sphinx from the original Theros block. Four white and blue, six mana total for a four four. Um Metamai has flying like most sphinxes, sphinges, I guess, technically. Um, <laughs> no. Whenever Metamai the Aegewist deals combat damage to a player, take an extra turn after this one and Metamai the Aegewist can't attack during extra turns. Um, nothing precludes you, however, from putting double strike on Metamai and getting two extra turns out of that combat damage trigger.
0: That sounds absolutely amazing. And, yet nasty and scary, but amazing. Like, yeah, a Duelist's Heritage or a Fire Streaker to get two extra turns.
2: Yeah, I mean, it feels really good dropping True Conviction when this is in play and Ah. knowing that you'll get two extra turns and all of those big giant sphinges will uh, be dealing double strike damage and gaining you hundreds of life. So um, it is a pretty effective card. I would say the the one downside here a little bit is – Um, If it's in your deck and no one can see it coming, that's one thing. It's the kind of commander, the commanders that say extra turns on their text tend to get people's hackles up when they know it's going to hit the field any moment now. Yeah. So I think it, it's its own worst enemy in terms of uh, representation because it probably draws heat. It can't necessarily handle.
1: Yeah. Uh, the surprise factor might happen with like spells with blue and white. doesn't happen very much with the creatures. Uh, so the, yeah, the surprise factor, like you said, Dana, probably not there um, coming out of nowhere with me to my um, but. It is a very, very powerful effect. Like, if you can stack some extra combats... Uh, that does get out of hand pretty quick.
0: Right. This this actually does kind of surprise me to see that there are only 116 decks under Metamai's name because that ability is really, really good. Like, this is, strikes me also as being potentially something you could do if you wanted to get extra activations off of Planeswalkers because you'll be able to activate them again on your following turn. Maybe one of the biggest hurdles that this commander faces is having to deal with the fact that it itself cannot attack on the extra turns that you produce. So if you're leaning towards like a Voltron in the blue and white here like that probably isn't going to be super effective because you are limiting your own combat capabilities but with that said you can kind of do the same thing that we saw with the linvala conversation earlier and pack in a bunch of other amazing flying creatures in the air along with you and then those can definitely attack on extra turns like additional combats coming in from a blue and white deck is again a pretty unexpected twist that can probably take your opponents by storm just because they aren't used to that dynamic coming from those colors
2: yeah and you you know in addition to the double strike kind Of tricks too. There's also the Helm of the Host level stuff where you can make copies of Metamai and hit multiple people um, and perhaps even get double strike on those as well and, and rack up, you know, four or six extra turns depending on how many copies you have out. So there's, if,
0: if you, depending on how much work you want to do, there's a lot of ways you can kind of abuse this ability for sure. That sounds amazing. Helm of the Host on this to just suit up for one big attack step where they're all giving you extra turns and then none of them can attack on those extra turns, but you're still getting like six extra turns in a row. Dana, you've just created a like a goal for me to get. Like, this is going to be a mission accomplished thing for me. I, I need to be able to to take to that off of my bucket list. That'll be a, a 2021 achievement for Joey to unlock. That's what it is, achievement. That's the word I'm thinking for. Yes, yes. Oh, that makes me excited. Uh, but I feel like you might actually be the person to pull it off on uh on on me instead of me being able to pull it off <laughs> on you. using maybe i'm actually very scared of it instead
1: well on our way out let's talk about one more commander um and let's make sure it's a good color so let's move on to green um we talked about mono <laughs> everything else but let's do mono green real quick so joey um hit us with this last commander
0: I mean, green is definitely real good. And you know what? As we've seen from Modern Horizons 2, green is also really good at taking abilities that we usually find in other colors and making it their own. And I feel like nowhere is that more true than for this last commander, Ronas the Indomitable. It only has 179 decks to its name, but this thing is a stinking powerhouse if you ever play against it. It is a three mana 5-5 five, five, indestructible death-touching god with a rider that it can't attack or block unless you control another creature with power four or greater but it also has a really cool activated ability to pump up one of your creatures if you pay two and a green another target creature gets plus two plus zero and gains trample until end of turn at first that probably doesn't sound you know kind of like it's just like a whatever like this is kind of a weird i don't know if it will attack or whatever here's the thing it's an indestructible death toucher so anything that it fights will die and it will not this is a commander that is giving kill spells To mono green, you can play the fight spell Ancient Animus, or the fight spell Inscription of Abundance, or the fight spell Pounce, and those are kill spells, just direct kill spells against your opponent's stuff. Removal spells, like direct removal spells at instant speed that don't rely upon a bunch of other stuff going on, that's usually pretty rare for green. And this is a commander that is just playing the biggest creatures and can basically at will kill any other creature that you want out there. This thing is terrifying to play against.
1: Yeah, and it has the benefit of not having the typical god clause either, like with the original Theros gods that we had, uh, they weren't creatures unless your devotion was a certain number. Um... These, however, like with the Hour of Devastation and Ammonket gods, uh, they're just creatures right off the bat. Like they have certain clauses on how they can't attack or block. But uh, man, having this as a creature at all times is pretty powerful. And like it's kind of like what we talked about with a couple of these other commanders where you ignore half the text. If you're in mono green, chances are you're going to have another creature that has power four or greater. Um, that's just going to happen with mono green. Um, so you're more often than not, you're still getting to attack and block as normal, especially with that pump ability.
2: Well, and let's say you manage to get past the indestructible and remove this. Well, it's three mana to cast the first time, so it's five <laughs> the second time, which in green is the equivalent of one and three, I guess. So like it's super efficient and super easy that it's going to run you out of removal faster than your removal will put it out of put it out of uncastable range.
0: And it has so much removal of its own. Again, that is supposed to be a thing that green does not get access to. The typical removal suite that you'll see in other green decks is like. Song of the Dryads, and we've got like the Lignify or the Kenrith's transformation that can also kind of shut down creatures a little bit, but it is still potentially answerable since those are enchantments. Here, though, green can just get rid of any creature that it wants to, and its own creatures will reign supreme. Like, Uh, This is a death-touching commander. Have y'all seen what happens when you put a card like Lure, which forces all creatures to block the enchanted creature if able, onto a big 5-5 with death-touch? Because you just kill whatever you want to, and the rest of your creatures get to sail on through for free.
2: Well, and usually when you do that, the creature that you lured dies as well, and it's probably a pretty good trade. You don't even have to care about that here. Your creature is still alive with lures still on it.
0: Yeah, this is a free enabler for a Rishkar's expertise because it will always be there. This is a great way for Surak, the Hunt Caller to also just give anything that you want haste. Like, this is a really spicy commander, less than 200 decks, but having played against it far more times than I wish I ever had, it stomps me a whole bunch and I just... I, I I gotta recommend it, Matt. I feel like this is a a, a unification for you and I because it is a green commander, but it's got aspects of removal that feel very black. So it, it's it's sort of a a thing that we can both agree on. Hopefully,
1: maybe I I, I can agree with you this time. We we don't we don't want to make it a, a regular occurrence. We don't want the, uh, the 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 listeners to think, oh, those Matt and Joey guys like they're getting along really well. No 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 no. we'll we'll, we'll still. We'll still find the the most minute things to pick apart. Gotcha,
0: gotcha. All right, fellas, those were a bunch of underplayed commanders. And we would also love to hear from the listeners about commanders that they think are also really underplayed, especially if they've got fewer than 200 decks. What are the commanders out there that actually have a lot of unaccessed potential that could be really, really powerful? And then Matt and Dana, I just want to hand it back to you guys if there's any final thoughts that you have about these commanders and other fun things that you can look into. Dana, I'm sure you have plenty to say about the experience of building quote like a hipster
2: I mean it is I find very rewarding to to win a game with a commander that doesn't have a lot of decks out there that might not be true for everyone but it's definitely something I enjoy. Um, it's a bit more of a challenge to build with these commanders as well because there's not quite as many, um, you know, kind of finished decks out there that you can template off from. So you have to mm. do a little bit of extra work yourself, which I enjoy doing. So if you want a bit of a challenge, I, I do recommend finding some of these older um, low number commanders and try to build around them. It, it, it can be a Enjoyable experience beyond just sitting at the table. It can be rewarding in multiple ways, and I would recommend giving it a try.
1: Yeah, if yeah. you if you if you're like Dan and you like it when people say, "What's that card do again?" They have to <laughs> reach across the table and, and and read the card three times. Um, there's always going to be a commander out there, and and mm-hmm. and finding just one that you can make work. And it's not that. You know all these commanders, um, they're not popular because they're not powerful. I mean, we talked about several that are very, very powerful. It's just sometimes you have to do a little more homework. And I think that's part of the process that Dana was just talking about, that, that can be very rewarding because you're taking something that at face value isn't a Golos or isn't a Moldrotha type of card where it's very obvious where the power lies. Um, but finding something in, in doing that homework um, and making those maybe not so obvious commanders be very powerful that that is a fun experience and it's a fun adventure to take with any given commander
0: very much when i built the martin Stromgold deck there were only like 30 to 40 decks on the site and i wasn't sure that all of that data was representative of what i want to try out with that deck so it really felt like i was trailblazing a bit and that is a very very fun experience to have so definitely recommend trying out the dana way because it does kind of make you feel like a like a pioneer in in a sort of cool way a pioneer but, in uh, com- commander making your own legacy. Oh, you're just naming a bunch of formats. Yeah, right. Yeah, what I yeah. walked into.
1: I, I think we need to make this metaphor a little more modern, though.
0: Right. <laughs> oh no. Oh, okay. Well, standardize it a bit.
1: Too, that way, we're all on the same page.
0: The, y- y- this, I'm, I'm not experienced enough. I don't have a good enough palette for this vintage of.
1: I, I think you're just being you're a serving. tiny leader right now,
0: aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> something something block constructed. <laughs> Wow. With that, what I think we definitely need to do immediately is call this episode to a close. So, fellas, if our listeners would like to get in touch with us, where is it that they can find us all?
1: Matt? Well, you can find me, half of the two-headed giant that is Dana and Matt, <laughs> giving Joey all the, uh, all the puns. Uh, find me on Twitter, at Mathimus55. That's M-A-T-H-I-M-U-S 55. And don't forget, Wednesday evenings, we are streaming uh, twitch.tv slash EDHretcast. Our guests are always coming in there and usually do really well and make us look silly. So make sure you tune in because we always um, enjoy it when our guests make us look silly.
0: And Dana.
2: You can find me on Twitter at Dana Roach. You can hear me once a week on my other podcast, CMDR Central. And I'm writing articles for both EDH Rec and Commander's Herald. And you can find all of us, including the two-headed giant of Matt and myself, (laughs) at patreon.com slash EDH
0: and I'm Joey Schultz you can find me at Joseph M. Schultz on Twitter and you can find the cast at EDH on both Facebook and on Twitter plus if you have a question you can contact us at EDH at gmail.com our thanks go out once again to the whole team at the Command Zone for handling the post-production work on the podcast and we want to thank our sponsors once again they are TCGplayer and CardKingdom.com and Altersleeves.com you can find them using the price info links on EDH or visiting CardKingdom.com slash to show your support for the show or visiting Altersleeves.com Sleeves.com slash EDH Listeners, we'll be back at you next week with more data and insights. But until then, remember, EDH wreck your deck before you wreck your deck.
1: And we promise we won't break any oaths.